Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor. Today, we will be discussing the sinking of MV Doña Paz, a ferry sold to the Sulpicio Lines that sank and became the deadliest peacetime maritime disaster in history to date. If you're interested in hearing about one of the deadliest maritime disasters in history, stay tuned for the story of MV Doña Paz from start to finish. Quick disclaimer for our younger audience before we dive in. This story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel, maiming, and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised for those under the age of 13. Please keep in mind that I'm not a mariner or expert in the field of maritime history, but I've done my research. Okay everyone, let's get into it. MV Doña Paz, or as she was built, the Himeyure Maru, was built in yard number 118 of the Onomichi Dockyard in 1963. She was built by Onomichi Zosen in Onomichi, Hiroshima, Japan. She was launched on April 25, 1963. Her first owner, RKK Line, had her ferrying passengers in Japan with a passenger capacity of 608 people. She was a passenger ferry, and in imperial measurements, she was 305 feet long and had a beam of 45 feet wide. In metric measurements, that's 93.1 meters long and a beam of 13.6 meters wide. She displaced 2,324 gross registered tons and had a deadweight tonnage of 1,192, which is the weight that a ship can carry. This includes fuel, cargo, fresh water, ballast water, passengers, crew, provisions, and everything else a ship could need. She could reach speeds of up to 18 knots, which is 33 kilometers per hour and 21 miles per hour. Her career in Japan was typical. There were no known issues, and she just did her job up until she was removed from service in October of 1975 and sold to Sulpicio Lines. You might remember this Filipino shipping line from our video on MV Princess of the Stars. They are notorious for having incidents and taking shortcuts. The same can be said about MV Doña Paz, but we aren't there yet. When she was first sold to the Sulpicio Lines, she was named Don Sulpicio and served the Manila to Cebu City route, the same as MV Princess of the Stars. She instantly became one of the company's two flagship vessels, alongside the Doña Ana, which would later be renamed Doña Marilyn. Her capacity was also increased from 608 to 1,424 passengers and 66 crew. Keep this in mind because it will be very, very important later. Her IMO number was 5415822, and her port of registry was in Manila in the Philippines. Her career in the Philippines would be anything but normal, starting with a fire in 1979, four years after they acquired the vessel. The fire gutted the vessel on June 5, 1979, while she was making her normal Manila to Cebu City voyage, with all 1,164 passengers and crew aboard being rescued safely with no injuries. Don Sulpicio, as she was known, was beached and declared a constructive total loss. In general terms, a property damage loss that is considered a constructive total loss is treated as a total loss because of the cost of repairing the damaged property exceeding the value of the property. 
Despite being a total loss, the wreckage of Don Sulpicio was repurchased from the underwriters by Sulpicio Lines, and she would be repaired. Sorry for defining so much, but just to be clear for our younger audiences, an insurance underwriter is a professional who evaluates and analyzes the risks involved in insuring people and assets. While the ship was repaired, there were major structural changes made including a complete refit, and she would end up returning to service in 1981 under the name we know her as, MV Doña Paz. During the time she was being refitted, the Sulpicio Lines replaced her as a flagship with MV Philippine Princess, and so MV Doña Paz was moved to a different route, serving from Manila to Tacloban, and her return route would always include a stop in Catbalogan. She would regularly run this route twice a week for Sulpicio Lines up until the time of her sinking. Just like last week with the Sea Wing disaster, we have a tiny bit of setup before we get into the sinking. MV Doña Paz sank during the Christmas season. During Christmas, ships were, and still are, busy ferrying passengers heading home for the holiday season. This is true in most places of the world where ferries are popular. Not where I live since I'm landlocked, but in other places of the world. So, on MV Doña Paz, there were tickets acquired illegally to board the ship at a discounted price, and these passengers were not listed in the ship's manifest. This was actually revealed by an anonymous official of Sulpicio Lines, and they told United Press International this tip, with this same official also noting that holders of complimentary tickets and non-paying children under the age of four were also not on the ship's manifest. So, the revised manifest, released on December 23, 1987, had 1,583 passengers and 58 crew listed on the Doña Paz, breaking down into 576 boarding in Tacloban and 908 boarding in Catbalogan. As we know, there would be an exorbitant amount of people on the ship that never should have been. Now we can really get into the voyage and dissect the sinking. MV Doña Paz departed Tacloban Leyte on December 20th, 1987 at 6.30am, stopping a short time later in Catbalogan Shamar to pick up the bulk of her passengers. We'll never know how many people were actually boarding in these areas due to the desecrations in the ship's manifest. Captain Eusebio Nacereno was mastering the vessel, and he and the ship were due in Manila by 4am the following day. Alarmingly, at 8 p.m., the shore lost radio contact with the MV Doña Paz. However, it was later reported that she didn't have a radio, which is already a bad sign. Around 10.30 p.m., she was at Dumali Point along the Tablas Strait near Marinduque, and the weather was clear, but the sea was choppy. Most of the passengers had already gone to bed and were fast asleep when disaster would strike. Coming the opposite direction was an oil tanker, the MT Vector, en route from Bataan to Maspate. MT Vector was carrying a volatile cargo of 1.05 million liters, or 8,800 barrels if you're American, of gasoline and other petroleum products that were owned by Caltex Philippines. That weighs out to 1,041 metric tons and 1,148 short tons of fuel. The two ships collided around 10.30 p.m., with Vector's cargo igniting and causing a fire that lapped at Doña Paz, spreading throughout the two ships quickly. As soon as the crash happened, survivors sensed it as well as an explosion, causing widespread panic across the ship. Paquito Osabel, one of these survivors, remembers flames spreading rapidly throughout the ship, as well as the sea surrounding the burning ship also being lit aflame. 
This is because of the oil and fuel leaking into the ocean, so the top layer of the ocean itself was also ablaze. Surely smoke and fire would already be filling up the inside of the ship, so some would die of smoke inhalation if they didn't drown or burn to death. If this didn't seem chaotic enough, just wait, it gets so much worse. Inevitably, when I research these types of stories, the evacuation is either poor or just flat out laughable. In this case, it's almost missing entirely. According to survivor and Philippine Constabulary Corporal Luzgardo Niero, the lights on board MV Doña Paz all went out for a few minutes after the collision. To add insult to injury, allegedly there were no life vests for the passengers to wear as they were all locked up in the life jacket lockers and the crew was running around like chickens with their heads cut off. So no one was unlocking those lockers or organizing the passengers into an orderly, calm evacuation. Both MV Doña Paz and MT Vector were sinking, with fire and charred bodies floating in the water surrounding them. There were few survivors, and the survivors that did make it off the ship had to jump from the burning ship into the burning water, swimming past scorched carcasses and some even using suitcases and other objects as flotation devices. There's another problem for these survivors. They're now floating in the shark-infested waters of the Tablas Strait, watching both of these ships sink away from them. Both would sink, with MV Doña Paz going down first within the first two hours after the collision, and MT Vector would follow suit, sinking within four hours. Both sank to the bottom of the Tablas Strait, about 1,788 feet or 545 meters down. The survivors floated in the water, the mental scars that would haunt them forming before their own eyes as they awaited rescue. A passing inter-island ship, MS Don Claudio, was close enough to the two ships that her officers and captain witnessed the explosion. After an hour, they found the survivors of MV Doña Paz and the officers of Don Claudio threw out a net for the survivors to climb up onto. This is the real shocker. Out of both of those ships, only 26 people survived. When we break down the passenger and crew numbers for both, it will really hammer home how sad that is. 24 of these 26 survivors were passengers of Doña Paz, and two were crewmen from MT Vector. None of the crew from Doña Paz survived. There was a 25th survivor from Doña Paz, though she was not originally accounted for by officials. She would later reveal herself through the GMA Network's program Wishko Lang in 2012. Valeriana Duma was only 14 years old when she miraculously survived the sinking, making her the second youngest survivor. The youngest was a four-year-old boy who has never been named. Most of these survivors were badly burned from jumping into the water that was on fire, and doctors and nurses on board Don Claudio tended to their wounds. According to reports, the Philippine Maritime Authorities wouldn't learn of the accident until eight hours later, and it would take another eight hours after this before they'd initiate search and rescue operations. Let's discuss casualties, because this is the deadliest peacetime maritime disaster in history, and so there is a huge chunk of this video that will be dedicated to remembering the victims. The Sulpicio Lines made an initial announcement after the sinking, and in this announcement, the official passenger manifest for MV Doña Paz recorded 1,493 passengers and 59 crew. Remember that the limit for Doña Paz was 1,424 passengers. Well, that's already over capacity. But a revised manifest came out later on December 23, 1987, and it showed she actually had 1,583 passengers and 58 crew aboard officially. 
Remember what I told you about the Christmas season. We're getting to where that's important. Representative Raul Daza of Northern Shamar would claim that at least 2,000 passengers aboard Doña Paz that weren't listed on the ship's official manifest. And he made this claim on December 28, 1987, eight days after the accident. How did he find this number? He used a list of names given by relatives and friends of missing people believed to be traveling on the ferry. And these names had been compiled by television and radio stations located in Tacloban, Leyte. The Philippine Daily Inquirer posted the names of these 2,000 missing people on pages 29 to 31 of the December 29, 1987 edition of their paper. In this group of missing people who perished on MV Doña Paz was 79 public school teachers. In February of 1988, the Philippine National Bureau of Investigation made a statement based upon interviews with relatives, and they stated that there were at least 3,099 passengers and 59 crew on board MV Doña Paz, which would make the estimated casualties 3,134. We aren't done, though. Later, in January of 1999, a presidential task force report made estimates based upon court records and more than 4,100 settlement claims that pushes the number of passengers up to 4,342. If we do a little math, subtract the 26 survivors from the death toll and add the 58 crew members in, this gives us 4,374 fatalities on the Doña Paz. There were 13 crew on the MT Vector and 11 of them unfortunately died. So that brings the total estimate to 4,385 people, nearly three times the designed passenger capacity. Even the passengers knew there were at least 4,000 people on board, based upon the fact that they saw people sleeping in corridors, on the boat decks, and three or four people in each bunk. There were only 21 bodies recovered and identified as passengers from MV Doña Paz five days after the collision, and of these 21 people, only one of them was listed on the ship's manifest. Only five of the 26 survivors were on the ship's manifest. This is why it will never be truly known how many people were on MV Doña Paz and how many perished that night. May they all rest in peace and may their families find peace. But why did this happen? Multiple investigations were launched into the sinking to determine just that. According to the first investigation led by the Philippine Coast Guard, there was only one man on the bridge the night of the accident, an apprentice member of the crew. Where was the rest of the crew when this accident occurred? Well, they were either drinking beer or watching television in the crew's recreation room. The captain himself was in his cabin watching a movie on his Betamax machine. A Betamax, for our younger audience, is a consumer-level analog recording and cassette format of magnetic tape for video, commonly called a video cassette recorder. A survivor, Luzgardo Niedo, would give similar testimony, and in this testimony, he stated that a fellow constabulary soldier informed him of, quote, an ongoing party with laughter and loud music on the ship's bridge with the captain in attendance. Faced with this testimony and evidence, the Marine Board of Inquiry of the Philippine Coast Guard would carry out a fact-finding mission, led by Captain Dario Fajardo, and they'd present the report to Congress on Leap Day, February 29, 1988. There'd be another investigation done into the disaster by the Coalition of Shamar and Leyte Organizations, or CSLO. In this investigation, they hosted a volunteer team of professionals and police members from the provinces of Shamar and Leyte. Their goal was to gather information on the ship's passengers and journey to determine what caused the accident. 
Among other documents they sought, they acquired duplicate tickets given to passengers, and CSLO was officially recognized by the Philippine government to enable them to aid the victims' relatives. As for the aftermath, President Corazon Aquino would go on to describe the accident as, quote, a national tragedy of harrowing proportions. The Filipino people's sadness is all the more painful because the tragedy struck with the approach of Christmas. Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom, Pope John Paul II of the Catholic Church, and Japanese Prime Minister Nobaru Takashita all conveyed official messages of condolence to the Filipino people for the tragedy. Due to the estimated death toll, Time magazine, among others, coined the sinking, quote, the deadliest peacetime maritime disaster of the 20th century, and that title still holds to this day. If we can help it, let's hope it is never outdone. Three days after the accident, Sulpicio Lines announced that MV Doña Paz was insured for 25,000 Philippine pesos, which in the United States in 2022 would equal out to $722,246. The company said that they were willing to indemnify the survivors the amount of 20,000 pesos, which would be $620 in 2022 for each victim on the official manifest. To me, that's a slap in the face, and it apparently was to others as well, because a few days later, hundreds of victims' kin staged a mass rally at Rizal Park, also known as Luneta Park in Ermita, Manila. They demanded that the ship's owners should also indemnify the families of those not listed on the ship's manifest and to give a full accounting of the missing people. For those unaware, an indemnity is a contractual obligation of one party to compensate the loss incurred by another party due to the relevant acts of the indemnitor or any other party. The duty to indemnify is usually, but not always, coextensive with the contractual duty to hold harmless or save harmless. I said this in my MV Princess of the Stars video, and I'll say it again. No amount of money would make up for losing my loved ones. I'd only want justice. Despite this, the Board of Marine Inquiry would deem Sulpicio Lines innocent and determine they had no fault in the accident. Inquiries later would show that MT Vector was operating without a lookout, a license, or properly qualified captain. And so in 1999, the Supreme Court of the Philippines placed the blame on the owners of the Vector and told them to indemnify the victims. This is where it gets even more messed up for the victims' families. Some of the claims that were filed against the owners of Vector or Sulpicio Lines were adjudicated by the Supreme Court. And this adjudication determined that even the families of victims who were not listed in the ship's manifest were entitled to indemnity. Caltex Philippines, who had chartered MT Vector, were cleared of financial liability just like Sulpicio Lines was. It's unclear what compensation the families actually received. As for her wreckage, MV Donia Post was found by RV Petrol in April of 2019, and the video footage of this finding was released on December 19, 2019. She lies upright at a depth of 1,600 feet or 500 meters, and the wreck of the other vessel, MT Vector, lies 7,200 feet or 2,200 meters away from Donia Post, also upright. Both of the wrecks are considered to be in good condition. Now we do have to address the elephant in the room. This ship does get the moniker Asia's Titanic. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 By now, we know how I feel about this. If you're new to the channel, I'll give you my thoughts now. 
I personally feel that comparing and contrasting tragedies, which is essentially what people do when they coin these monikers, lessens the severity of both tragedies and almost makes them more palatable. They are tragedies. They shouldn't be palatable. So please, dear listeners, going forward, acknowledge both disasters equally by referring to them as they truly are. The sinking of RMS Titanic and the sinking of MV Donia Pass. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now. Thanks for hearing me out. Collisions and complacency are the reason for many shipwrecks and the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people over the course of history. May all of the victims of MT Vector and MV Donia Pass rest in peace, and I hope their families have found peace with the situation and got the justice they deserved. If you want to hear another story similar to this one, check out our two-part series on the Halifax Explosion. Thanks so much to our lovely patrons for subscribing and supporting the channel and myself as a creator. You guys are awesome and it really does help us out. If you'd like to help support this channel and future episodes, go to patreon.com slash shipwrecksunday to join. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a 5-star review as it does help us reach more listeners like you. If you have any ships you'd like us to cover, please leave us a comment and you might hear your favorite ship here on the podcast. Check out our community tab for updates and interact with us. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram. Tune in next Sunday for the story of the Titan submarine, the controversial submersible that recently disappeared while going to tour the wreck of Titanic. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.